The Israelites again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. So the Lord sold them into the hand of King Chabin of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Hashareth Hagoim. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help, for he had 900 chariots of iron and had oppressed the Israelites cruelly for 20 years. At that time, Deborah, a prophetess, wife of Labadoth, was judging Israel. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites came up to her for judgment. She sent and summoned Barak, son of Abanoan, from Kedesh and Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go, take position at Mount Tabor, bringing 10,000 from the tribe of Naphtali and the tribe of Zebulun. I will draw up Sisera, the general of Havin's army, to meet you by the, the Wadi Kishon with his chariots and his troops, and I will give him into your hand. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. A reading from Paul's first letter to the church in Thessalonica. Now concerning times and seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. When they say there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and there will be no escape. But you, beloved, are not in darkness for the day to surprise you like a thief. But you are all children of light and children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not fall asleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who are drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober and put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has destined us not for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up each other, as indeed you are doing. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven will be as when a man, going on a journey, summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master." 
Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with the ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Be seated, please. That's one of those gospel readings I have a hard time saying praise to you, Lord Christ, at the end of throw him out into the outer darkness, weeping and gnashing of teeth. You can tell we're coming to the end of the liturgical year. Um, We get all of these stories and readings about judgment. Um, We've been getting in the gospel reading judgment for the last several weeks. Um, Then, of course, Thessalonians were not of the night. Um, The day is coming like a thief in the night. Watch out. Um, We're getting ready for judgment, getting ready for the end of the year, and then um, beginning two Sundays from now we get Advent and much more hopeful. What kind of a God do we believe in if we believe in that kind of judgment? The Old Testament reading that we had for today from Judges starts out with a phrase we probably just read right over, didn't even listen to since we were listening to the story of Deborah. It says, Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and God sold them into the hand of Jabin. What kind of a God does that? The Bible, as we have it, the Old Testament, was put together during the period of exile um, after Jerusalem had been destroyed the first time. So they're out there in Babylon wondering what went wrong. And the answer that the editors of the Bible came up with is, we goofed up. We failed to be faithful to God, therefore God is punishing us. And as they edit this history, there will be all kinds of little lines like that. Israel again did what was evil, so God punished them. They repented, they come back. Um, It explains the catastrophe, but it's not particularly good theology. I get it a lot walking into a hospital room or into the middle of some disaster. A family will say, why is God doing this to us? That's that theology. If we are being punished, it must be because we screwed up. I think the third slave has that kind of theology, at least that kind of thought about his master. I knew you to be a hard man. And so the master says, if that's what you knew, that's what you'll get. The other two slaves experience their master very differently. Enter into the joy of your master. Is it the same guy? It is. They experience him differently. First of all, we have to understand about this story what a talent is not. We read this story and think about it as a skill or ability that we have. A talent was a weight measure, about 45 pounds. And so in this story, it's 45 pounds of silver. 6,000 denarii to a talent, and a denarius was a day's wages for a day laborer. 
So if you figure a day laborer maybe works half the days in a year, that's four years. No, that's not right. Forty years worth of a day laborer's wages. That's a lot of money. So sometimes I'm driving down 44 and not far from where the gas tanks used to be, there's a big billboard that tells you what the Powerball lottery is worth, right? Sometimes that creeps up into the hundreds of millions. And when I see that, I think, man, I ought to go buy a lottery ticket just on the off chance I could win. What would I do with $100 million? Boy, I could do some really good things with $100 million, right? I could pay off my debt, buy a new house, get new cars, and I'd still have $100 million left over. I could give some of it to Advent. I could give some of it to Episcopal City Mission. Um, Think of all the great things I could do with $100 million. That's the point of this story. These slaves are given more money than a slave can imagine. So one gets five of whatever that unit is. One gets two, one gets one. So let's say the guy that gets one gets $10 million. Are you really going to say, oh, poor pitiful me, I didn't get enough, I didn't get as much as that other guy? He approaches God or his master, if this is an allegory, then God, from the point of view of never quite enough. I knew you to be a hard man. The grace that I've received is not quite enough. So I'm going to bury it in the ground and preserve it. The other two get more than enough. What can I do with this? I'll go out and trade. I'll enter into the economy. I'll make other good things begin to happen. So why do you come to church? Do you come to church to make sure you get your get-out-of-hell-free card punched? Are you here to make sure that you've got enough of God's grace to get into heaven? That's like burying that talent in the ground. Or do we come to church because we've been given more grace than we know what to do with? And so we're going to go share it with other people. I was writing this sermon on Thursday morning... And in the parish hall, there was a wild day going on. We started out, as usual, with exercise at 9.30, and then at 10.30 we had a Veterans Day remembrance. And then um, after that, there was the speaker who came to speak for the Lunch and Learn, and her topic was, don't make me laugh, I might feel better. And they were all telling funny stories on each other and laughed. The laughter was just coming out of the room. I walked over for lunch, and there were a good 40 people in that room, And I was told that there were seven more Adventers in the kitchen who had come to help. And I thought, wow, look at that. Look at the fun stuff that's going on here. Forty people from the neighborhood, 40 people not us. Maybe they are us, and we just haven't recognized it yet. And seven of us helping out. There's more than enough grace to go around. Look at what happens when we spend our grace, when we enter into the economy, when we trade with it. Of course, we're here in the middle of um, stewardship time. And it's really easy to look at the church budget as not enough. To say, oh, if we had just a little bit more, think of the things that we could do. That's like burying that talent in the ground. What if we looked at it and said, look at the resources we've got. Look at the fun stuff that we can do. And notice that when the master shows back up, the two slaves bring the extra money that they've earned. They don't keep out a little piece for themselves. The one slave says, you gave me five talent, here's ten. The one says, you gave me two talents, here's four. Gives it all back. It's all for the trade. The more we have, the more we give away, the more we have. 
So what do we come to church for? Are we coming to church to get just enough grace to bury it in the ground? Or is there more than enough to go around? That's the point of this story. When I asked you to think about as you came in, where in your week had God's grace been really evident to you? Where have you shared that? What was your fear this week? Our fear says there's not enough. I need to protect enough for myself. So we can approach God in one of two ways. I kind of laugh at the um, Occupy people. Not that I don't think there are many things in our culture, in our society that need redress and that they're in the middle of redressing it. But they say, we are the 99%. And I ask myself, how many pairs of shoes do you have in your closet? If you have more than two pairs of shoes, you are the 10%. Can you go to your tap and turn on the water and drink the water that comes out of it? You are in the 5%. We are not in the 99%. We have so much grace, we don't know what to do with it. Not that there aren't things that need redressed. But how do we think of ourselves? Is there not enough? Or is there more than enough? Way more than enough. The hundred million on the lottery billboard. How are we going to spend that grace that God has given us? Amen.